Karibu sana na asante sana kwa kutusikiliza on Twitter at men the podcast and on Instagram at men the podcast. Mimi naitwa Michael Baruti. Nadi how are you? I'm good. I'm great. Feeling good. Going back to school I heard. <laughs> yes, I'm going back to school. Why? Um Well, learning never ends. So we we will continue to learn until we die. So this is just part of that process. You don't sound too happy about it though. <laughs> you don't well, sound too happy about it though. Learning in a government institution in Tanzania it has its challenges. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm a psychologist, so so I'll be able to sort myself out uh, along the way, but yeah. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, so that's an idea. Um, a therapy slash counselor I'm betting on every week. Uh, episode yet men 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 the podcast. Now come on, I'm talking about now. come check through Twitter and Instagram at Mind Matters TZ at Mind Matters TZ. And then unaenda kwenye link ya kwenye bio yake ambayo itakupeleka moja kwa moja kwenye website yake ambayo utapata namna ya kuweza kuwasiliana naye kwa urahisi na kwa ubora zaidi. Other than that, thank you for listening to Men 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 the podcast and let's enjoy the ride today. We are recording this episode on the 25th of November 2020 ambayo ndio inaanzia ile 16 days of activism against gender based violence. Kwa Kiswahili tunasema siku 16 za kupinga ukatili wa kijinsia. Na leo we are actually uh, recording this episode kwenye nyumba ya Balozo wa Sweden nchini Tanzania. Uh, Mr. Anders, the last name is a little bit uh, how do you say your last name? My fir- my full name is Anders Schaberi. Schaberi. Yes. Oh, perfect. English is Santa Santa. Tuko kwenye uh, residence yake na tumekuja hapa kuzungumzia mambo mengi sana. I did my research and apparently Sweden is doing a lot of things when it comes to addressing gender based violence in Tanzania. So it was just it was just a great opportunity for us to meet. So thank you. So um Anders, why should men be involved on addressing gender based violence? Well, I think uh, this is one of the most important questions that we have before us and uh, one of the big issues I think with gender-based violence is that uh, it's the women that have become victimized uh, while the actual role and responsibility lies among men uh, as individuals I would say because men are we are all different but uh, we as men we have ha- we, we need to have this conversation among us uh, why why gender-based violence is something that is very, very wrong and which is actually a criminal offense. So we as men, we need to address it and to talk with other men and have this conversation going un- until this pandemic disappears from this planet. Because it's really a pandemic. It's not only here in Tanzania, it's in Sweden. It's in every country of the world. And it's, uh, uh, of course, related to, uh, you know, unbalanced power structures, gender inequalities and so forth that this uh, uh, menace is, uh, is, is popping up in all societies. Mm-hmm. And so how long have you been in Tanzania? I've been here for a little bit more than two years now. I came here the very first time in uh, 1990. 1990. I made oh, wow. a visit to Zanzibar for a full week. I was doing some work in Kenya. So, um, Then I came back a little bit in the, in, in the early 90s and then since uh, 2018 I'm the ambassador to, to Tanzania. And of course this country has changed a lot mm. since my very first visit here 
30 years ago. So it's amazing to see uh, the progress uh, yeah. that the country has ma made, uh, been making during these, these years. When you try to compare where you come from mm -hmm. and the men in your country, where you come from, and the men in Tanzania, what are the similarities you see and the differences as well when it comes to addressing gender-based violence? Well, I think you see similarities and you see um, you see differences. I think one, if we look at the similarities, and I, I was thinking before coming to this part, I mean, what is universal and what is cultural? Because I think you have to make that make that distinction because some male or, or masculine behavior is is, uh, is universal. Or, in, in, in many respects, so there is a tendency that men are, you know, they they are expected to be strong. Mm -hmm. Their, you know, manhood is has a lot of connotations, and I think you would find a lot of similarities between Tanzanian and, and Swedish men. I think if you look at the difference, men in Sweden, I would say during since my father became a father, which was in the early 60s, I think we men have moved into uh, the space of women and I think that women have moved into the spaces of men so it's more of an interlinkage both professionally academically but also in the household in the families do you think that um, um, one of the causes or one of the things that are causing this uh, the pandemic of gender-based violence is the fact that both men and women have actually moved into each other's spaces without maybe not being prepared for that to happen? Especially for men, do you think like we were not prepared uh, for the case of women moving into our space like what you just said? Well, I think, you know, we, we, it's, it's hard to be prepared perhaps, but, but I think it's in, in our case, and I've, now I talk about Sweden, I think that has been an, an evolution. So it has mm -hmm. been a gradual shift where we have, let's say we men, we have taken greater responsibility for in, in our homes, mm -hmm. both when it comes to what they, I just learned, they call the, the second shift. I mean, the okay. unpaid labor you do in, in, in your house every day, yeah. uh, that uh, in traditionally women have done most of the, you know, taking care of the home, the kids mm -hmm. and everything. I think that ha we have become more equal in, in Sweden, but it's far from equal. We still have that gender differences between mm -hmm. us. Uh, so, but, so, and, and in the workspace, we see actually we have uh, more young uh, female students now. They are outperforming the, the male students in, in universities. So we see that uh, the, the, the women are really taking ground in, the, in, uh, in both academic and professional life. So there's this summit that's happening in Arusha right now, which is called the ULID. And uh, a friend of mine is actually attending the event. Given uh, yesterday, he tweeted. He tweeted like he feels like come 2030, more women will be in better places professionally than men. And he said he feels like men are not prepared for that. And his take was, if we think it's worse now for men, then it's gonna be even worse come 2030. Mm -hmm. if, yeah, if we don't do something about it as men. He insisted actually on the thing of. Now we are talking about saving a girl child. Come 2030, we'll be having major campaigns on saving boy child. You actually think that's possible? It might happen. So I think, I, you know, when I meet and also when we recruit, uh, we had one opening in our embassy right now and we had uh, 2,500 applicants for that position and uh, highly competitive professional that applied for that position and the winner was a woman. She got, uh, she got hired. So we see that uh, I think on the shortlist, uh, 
seven out of ten uh, were were women that were shortlisted for this position. So we see that women are coming big way here in, in Tanzania as well, and that makes me me very optimistic about the future. So I see so many talented and strong and uh, entrepreneurial uh, women in this uh, in this country. We did a session a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, men let's talk about. The intention was to have only men come in and let's try to unpack and understand more about toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And uh, the findings were quite interesting for me. So we asked people like, what are the characteristics of a good man? What makes a person a good man? And then people started talking things like empathy, understanding, you know, uh, considerate. Uh, they talked about good stuff about men, or at least what they think a good man is. So, and then the interesting part, now we asked them, okay, what are the characteristics of a real man? These same people, they started talking about things like, he needs to have multiple partners. Yes. Yes, (laughs) real talk. He he needs to be able to put a woman on her place, you know? You don't let a woman get over your head. Should be able to seduce women, you know? So my take on this was that, so this is what people aspire to be as they aspire to be good men. The society has told them a completely different things to what makes a real man. What role does a society play in terms of enabling toxic masculinity? And do you think there's a way that we can actually go and start to unpack and learn and readdress that? It's a very complex issue, I said, and then, uh, as I would like to say. And when you look at this, it's very, it's very easy to be sort of boxed into... Uh, mailbox and that you have expectations that you should say certain things and I, I think this this could be very nation specific or culture specific or workplace specific so you know I'm not sure that the examples you gave that they would say that the same very same men would give these epithet to if they were in a different context in the workplace but this was in you know when they were together with other men they were so you come you can come into a situation that you start to brag about things or you, you try to say you know things that you might expect the others to like but it's not nothing that is inside yourself see what i mean yeah and i think men and women every human being we need to challenge ourselves our norms and our values but since we're talking about gender-based violence, right? Mm-hmm. I think men as a category needs to challenge itself and its norms and uh, the standards that they set them for themselves. And the way to come around this, of course, it's it's to talk about it, but I think it's also about education. In uh, starting from early age, we are very fortunate in Sweden. We, uh, we can afford the luxury, I would say, to... Uh, have uh, almost, I mean, we have preschool teaching for almost every kid. So the enrollment rate is, you know, 80-90% from two, three years and upwards. And um, within the, of course, within the families, but also within the, within the preschool, you can have more sort of structured teaching. And it's also part of the curriculum in these preschools that you should, uh, we should talk about gender and not gender per se, because I mean kids are probably too, too small to understand gender, but I mean to talk about the norms and how to you know, integrate girls and boys more. And of course this, this training and this education needs to, needs to continue and becomes perhaps even more important when you reach uh, a teenage.
Yeah, so it's it's really good that from an early age um these children um are being taught about gender differences and gender equality even though it's not direct it's indirect it means that these um ideals these perspectives are ingrained in them from an early age and so it becomes easier in the long run even to have a balanced society where there perhaps more understanding of equality there's better understanding of gender um and people are more um are living in in, in more of a harmony yeah well but of course this is some yeah. this is sort of i call it a luxury because exactly. it's really luxury because it's that you can ideal. afford to, to to have you know kids spending so much time mm-hmm. on on learning from from our age but do you think we should build empathy maybe that might help empathy is a big thing so when we want people to understand a perspective or world view that is not their own empathy comes and plays a big role there because if i don't know the experiences you're having i don't know the world uh, how you're experiencing the world then it will be difficult for me to take your feelings your um you know your preferences in in consideration but when we're teaching empathy we're teaching the boy child to get into the shoes of the girl child to see the world from the girl child's perspective you know to see what struggles or what challenges that they face and at the same time we're also teaching the girl child to put themselves in the boy child's shoes to understand the world view from that boy child and so in that in that instance we're basically teaching these humans to understand one another because we're different um biologically women and men are very are very different yes we have a lot of similarities but then there are these differences that we cannot deny you know there's innate differences between um women and men this is just bi- the biological and then when we, when we speak about gender there are differences in gender roles as well so when we talk about masculinity and we talk about femininity these two are also quite different different characteristics so once we get people to understand and put themselves in the other's shoes then we're slowly building that empathy we're building that understanding and we're broadening the world view of these boy childs and the girl childs and um after that we're 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 in a, in a better space to treat each other basically better because we're understanding where the other is coming from so right now we find that people have that have poor understanding of the challenges and struggles that women face and of the struggles and challenges that men face and so we're in a space where we're just guarding ourselves and defending ourselves and so both sides are doing the same thing this is where the conflict now is emerging because we're all standing our ground and we're not not a lot of us and when i say we're all i'm talking about the majority there's a minority group that are trying to understand but because we're all standing our ground that's why there is this this conflict it's like two bulls uh locked in a horns so empathy is is an important thing if we teach that we're we're halfway there if i could comment on yeah, this sure, i sure. think this because it's it's a uh, what do you say i i i fully support uh, but couple of things i would like to add is that uh, you know i think uh, and it comes with parenthood it's about you know creating role models lead by example because if you can demonstrate that you can change your yourself mm-hmm. then you can also become a role model for your kids but also for maybe other family members or mm-hmm. friends or whatever and, and and that you that you there stepping out of that yeah. man box and be be someone else yeah. second point uh, you also made uh, which i would like to st- reinforce is on we spend most of our time in 
in institutions, <laughs> in schools, workplace, uh, university, or whatnot. And one of the contributions that we have had that we have been doing here is the Femina Hip uh, Girls Clubs yeah. uh, around Tanzania. And that also creates safe space for, for girls and boys uh, to talk about uh, you know, things that they might not dare talking about in the, in the normal space. Mm. So within the institution you can attach um, bubbles or clubs mm. where, you can, uh, where, you can, where you can have these conversations in a structured way. Mm. Your country has a feminist policy, mm -hmm. which I think is a huge thing. Uh, 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 in addressing things like gender equality and all that. How long did it take for your country to get there and at what cost did you have to achieve that? I think the economic benefits have been uh, tremendous yeah. from, from doing this. So it's, uh, you know, so if you only look at the economic result, uh, it's, it has been quite remarkable. So we got universal suffrage, I mean women got the right to vote in exactly 100 years ago, in 1920-21. I would say from there and onwards it, uh, it took off. Uh, so we had a lot of social reforms uh, already in the, in the 1930s where uh, you know, we opened up the kindergarten as it was called then, but the preschool activities, small scale, not big scale. Then. Um, in the, after the Second World War, when uh, industrialization took off, uh, we saw um, a huge demand for uh, women in the workforce. So uh, a lot of women entered into the into the workforce, and that's where you know where things start to to happen. Then we had other social reforms, uh, parental leave reform, mm -hmm. which was. Uh, in the 70s and it has sort of been upgraded throughout so now I think it's you get more than 450 days per kid and it uh, a certain percentage I don't recall exactly how much should go to the to the father but uh, you know you are you can share that 450 plus days equally among your the, the, the man or the woman could get the, the bigger portion of these these days so all these reforms have made us to be a more inclusive, equal society. And we already discussed about women now excelling in their academic performances. So we see that gradually uh, women are overtaking, not in all, in all, all sectors, but in many, many sectors we see that women are overtaking uh, men, which is a very promising sign that uh, our gender equality policy has worked. And since 2000, 14, we have a feminist foreign policy. We also have a feminist government. The feminist foreign policy is to give direction uh, to us diplomats and to give a guidance for you know our policy priorities when when we work abroad. Uh, and we are promoting the feminist foreign policy throughout the world and it's it's very simple uh, but also utterly complex but it's about three r's basically so it's about resources rights and representation so by addressing these three r's and we can see a lot on that is not equal at all inequalities between between in all these three segments but by address them from a structural way we hope that we can help to, to promote gender equality and if we look at the resources in a country like Tanzania they are you know it's, it's very skewed yeah. to the advantage of men same in could be land rights it could be access to to funds could be could be access to education could be 
could be any any resource that it's uh, it's very unbalanced. The same with representation. We see it both at the at the higher levels, but also in in local societies. Yeah, so it brings you back to what I always say. The, what you just say in terms of the allocation of resources mm -hmm. and opportunities and all that. It has it has always favored men. That, that, and then it brings me back to my next question: Is why should men actually care about addressing these issues while they feel like these things are, are you know they are they are working for them? So why should actually men care? I would argue that you know if we work together, uh, women and men and people from different backgrounds, different ages, if we work as a team. Mm -hmm we become much more clever collectively than if it's very one-sided, it's only young people or old people mm -hmm. or men or women, but as, as a team we become much more productive and, and smarter. So the more we can share mm -hmm. our you know experience, our professionalism and bring different perspectives into the picture, the more output we will, we will get collectively. So as um, I also read somewhere that this year, especially 2020, you know, with the COVID pandemic, lockdown happening pretty much everywhere in the world. Also, Tanzania, we did not have a lockdown as a country, but uh, people were taught to work from home. And then there was uh, like there was a trend that started to happen, which is the increase in numbers, mm -hmm. cases of gender-based violence, like the numbers just went up. But then if you look in the bigger picture, it actually shows that, still the, that there's still a need to actually express you know, and talk more about gender-based violence. So, and there's been a lot of initiatives. And I feel like there, some changes are still happening, at least in urban settings. Right now, you cannot just go out and start chasing or beating women and, you know, out in public and, and expect people to be okay with it. So in a country like ours, in a country like Tanzania, what do you think can be done? Because I think the whole gender-based violence, gender-based violence is directly related to mental health. Directly related. I think it's important to to call a spade a spade yes. because it's a criminal offense, right? It is. So if you go out and beat someone, no matter who you are or, or why you do it or whatever background you have or whatnot, uh, it's still a it's a criminal offense, and uh, any perpetrator should be brought to justice mm. and it should be put in front of the court. And I've I've discussed this with uh, with uh, many Tanz Tanzanians and, and they they are exactly the same. But can we? Can we? to be dealt with as a criminal offense. But then can we? Can we look at the root cause? I I always say I think if you know better, you do better. Do you feel like a lot of people do not know any better? That's why they resort to violence. Mm -hmm. Now, is there a way for us to actually go and start addressing the root cause? Mm -hmm. Reporting a criminal offense that means it has happened already, yep. and probably someone has lost their lives or they lost an eye or you know, probably. It might be a little bit too late. Now, is there a way for us to address the root cause and, as in, go back to before it even starts and, and start addressing that? I, I fully agree, of course. I mean, you need to address the root causes, and root causes are different in different societies and, and perhaps also different regions of of, uh, of Tanzania. I mean, we have the, the, the harmful practices of FGM in, in certain parts of Tanzania. And of course, again, it's a criminal offense, but it also has root causes, traditional beliefs and, uh, and practices uh, that needs to be, be addressed. And we need to, we need to have conversations about it. And we also need to enlighten people why, why, why this, is a, this is a bad practice. And I'm not, I'm not talking about FGM 
but I mean any anything that uh, cause harm to another human being, be it a, a woman, a child, or any other other group. What are some of the work that you've done, your nation has done in Tanzania when it comes to addressing gender-based violence? Can you talk about that a little bit? So we, we are working with around 20 NGOs uh, around the country. Uh, one of the most prominent ones being Legal and Human Rights Center. Uh, they have a lot of paralegals that are reaching out to women. In fact, particular could be divorce, it could be uh, land rights issues, and often mm. there is a component of gender-based violence in, in all this. So it's uh, so by, by supporting these grassroots uh, paralegals and organizations, that's, uh, that's a very direct contribution to, uh, to assisting uh, women in particular around the country. And uh, we do a lot of networking here uh, at, uh, at the Swedish residence where we invite people from women to, to discuss and to uh, uh, talk about these issues. But I also realized that we need to invite more men uh, because it's about men. It's not, uh, it's not really a women issue, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. So maybe we should start a little, uh, little network, you and me. Yes, Michael, should, what do you see? I, I am down for that. Well, yes, I think it's high time that m men actually also got involved in these movements because when you look at it, a lot of women are in these spaces. A lot of women are taking a an active role, are being very, um, you know, very active, are taking the initiative to make changes happen, to, to end a lot of these um, practices, to, to create some, some balance and equality between the genders. But there aren't a lot of men in those domains. So by having... Having few men engaged, basically that translates to, you know, this is a women's problem. And so we don't really have to do anything about it. It's, it's, it's a, them, a them problem. So it becomes an us and them situation, where, which also creates a divide between the two. So by having men involved, the, they get to see, one, the role that they play in perpetuating those issues. But also, most importantly, they see what role they can play in eliminating those problems you know in the solution because if they're left out if men are left out then we continue feeling removed and detached from the issues that women are facing but if men are in the mix men are involved in these movements men are having these active conversations men start taking active roles in ending gender-based violence in taking care of their own mental health then men Basically, that, that translates to I have the power and I have a role to play in, this, uh, in creating these solutions, in ending this pandemic you know, of gender-based violence. So it's important to start having men actively engaged and get them to be part of the solution rather than just viewing men as the problem, but not, not telling them or not... Uh, getting them involved to see, okay, how can you move from being a problem to being a solution? Because then we're, we're really not doing much if we're still keeping those divides. So, yes, high time. Men, let's, let's, let's talk. Uh, let's get involved. Let's take an active role. Um, I would like to hear your, if you have your experience on toxic masculinity. Have you ever been in a situation and as where you've you felt like this, this is toxic masculinity playing tricks on me or I have to do this thing because if I don't do it, other men wouldn't understand. 
Mikey, that kind of thing. Have you ever been in that situation? I try to remember, but it's nothing that comes straight to my mind. Maybe in my youthhood, mm. when I was a teenager, could very well be. Mm. But it's nothing, you know, doesn't, you know, I don't have any striking example that I, that I could... Uh, could share with you but I'm 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 absolutely certain that it has happened to me many times and often when you are in uh, or at maybe those years when you are in uh, for instance when you do the military service or something you are in a, in a sort of very male uh, dominated masculine environment and you know some of these uh, what you call toxic mm. masculinity could could kick in but I, I cannot come up with any any such concrete example at the moment yeah and as a diplomat as an ambassador what are you doing to ensure safe space for men in where you work I would I would say a lot I mean we try to be a workplace where we treat each one other equally and that we try you know we try to have a transparent workspace where where we should allow different voices uh, to come out but also frown up on uh, bad behavior, uh, uh, condescending behaviors. We, so, of course, and I think this is something, be it the workplace or any other situation, you need to be uh, constantly be, be very vigilant that you, have, uh, that, you, that you don't normalize jargon or any, uh, any uh, misbehavior among staff or colleagues. Mm-hmm. You talked about having a little bit of a testimony before we got here. Yeah, as I mentioned before, we have uh, we are very fortunate in Sweden because we have these 450 plus days of parental leave, and uh, this is also partly, not fully, but partly implemented in the foreign service. So for um, our locally employed staff, they be either if they're a man or a woman, when they become parents, they are entitled to have a six-month parental leave. Paid leave. Paid leave, yeah. I don't know if it's full paid, I would have to check that, but I mean it's paid leave, yes. So, which, uh, which implies that our male and female colleagues could, you know, spend full six months and paying full attention to their, their newborn. So, and of course, this is uh, this is something that is very much appreciated uh, among our our staff members, and that they see as a real benefit to work for us. And it's when also, are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a sign. It's um, we, we want to really emphasize that we that we walk the talk. I mean, we are promoting our feminist foreign policy. The three R's, rights, resources, and representation. representation. But then we also need to walk the talk in our own organization. We cannot. So, so we are. So we are um, providing this sort of rather generous uh, parental leave uh, possibility for our our staff members. So uh, the background to this testimony is that we had a conversation similar to this uh, among some um, good colleagues in the embassy, and uh, then. Uh, one of the colleagues he returned back a couple of days later with a testimony in, in writing that uh, he also published on, on social media. So just to share uh, the experience, as you say, from an, an African man, which was uh, yeah. uh, which he find very exclusive and unusual, and also to explain how much um, this meant for his child, for his wife, 
and for himself. Oh, can you share with us what, yeah, what, what yeah. exactly? Yeah. My good colleague, uh, Stephen Chimalu, um, and I, I'm sure, I will share some key sentences here. So he, he start off this um, email. Hello employers and parent employees in Africa and elsewhere. For the first time as a human being, an employee, a parent and a man, I had what I considered required time to experience, feel, touch and see details of errands and complications around care of a fresh growing child. I wish I had the same for the two other children we had. For four good full months of a fresh child, as a working class, I was exposed to another side of life of a woman that men don't probably know, and if we know, we probably don't care and acknowledge. On the fourth month of the child, my wife had to report back to work, and it was my turn to assume the role the women are forced to execute even when men have the time to support. Many thanks to the Embassy of Sweden in Tanzania who willingly contextualized its foreign human resources policy on maternity and paternity leave to allow Tanzanians or local employees to take up six months maternal and paternal leave to care for the first six months of the baby. The four months of embassy's time allowed me to establish connection and the bond with the baby. It allowed me to proudly exempt my beautiful wife from worrying about the baby left at home. It allowed me to appreciate my wife and other women who exceedingly go beyond national limitation to provide family at its best. It allowed me as an African man to challenge my personal ego that is largely influ influenced by culture and tradition. I will never forget and probably never will again get the chance to experience bathing a fresh baby, massaging, cleaning and dressing up feeding the baby from mother's preserved milk, sleepless nights of care, witnessing little smiles from a small baby, and lastly, not forgetting the memories of a long-weighted smile of my wife on her return from work every day. Quite a strong it testimony. It is, huh? it is, it is. And, uh, I, think, I think the last part nailed it, as in, when the wife comes in, you're like, I got this, don't worry. You don't have to worry about anything. I think that, and I think that's a life-changing experience mm -hmm. for him. That too changes the whole dynamic between the husband and the wife and the roles, the, the roles that men and women play in their families. You know, ha him having experienced um, very hands-on parenting, especially in Tanzania, that's, 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 that's a rare, rare sighting for a man, a Tanzanian man, to have a very active parenting role um, like the one that he did. You know, he had to play both... Um, he had to take o take over basically the parenting when his wife went back to work, so that that's really um, an eye-opening experience. I mean, it also gets him to empathize with his wife um, a lot more. He gets to see what it is like to actually be there full time with a newborn child. Um, this really shifts the dynamic um, when in the relationship. It shifts one's perspective and worldview about what it means to be a, a full-time parent while still having a full-time job, you know, or being actively involved in the day-to-day in -day upbringing of a child, of an infant. Uh, the demands are quite high. So I'm sure he's quite a changed man after that experience because, there, I mean, after having to experience that for six months, you said, uh, is quite life-changing. I mean, 
it will be interesting to see the difference between the children raised um you know the, the the children he had initially before he had this privilege compared to this child now that he actually the child got to experience the parenting from both the mother and the father being very hands-on and very active so it'll be really nice to see how these children grow up and if there will be any differences between the two um that'll be quite a, a, a an interesting thing to to see I would love to get him on the podcast one day if he's willing to just come and I'm sure know, he would. Huh? Yeah, yeah, just to come and speak on details about because it is one thing that we don't speak about at all as men. And as, is there anything else that you want to add that we you feel like we haven't touched that you 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 would like to address as well? I think we have covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Yeah, I think we um, we need to continue to be um, continue this conversation in uh, in many different ways i think uh, men needs to come together more often to have uh, serious conversations about gender based violence and uh, why it's important to, to address this uh, this topic and that uh, responsibility for gender based violence doesn't lie with the victims but it lies with with the men as a, as a category yeah. so so that would be my overall uh, conclusion about uh, about uh, this uh, very and perhaps one of the most important topic and it, as i said it's it is a pandemic it, it continues to rage out there all over the world and uh, until it's it's over we need to uh, to continue to talk about it idea the takeaway for me is that um as men we need to start having these conversations we need to you know to to openly discuss these things to to start seeing how how we can move from being dinosaurs who are about to go extinct to start evolving i mean let's let's all adapt the mindset uh, or strategy of a cockroach because cockroaches survived i think according to scientists cockroaches have existed since the time of the dinosaur but the cockroach is still here um So I know it's not pretty but let's aim to be cockroaches and <laughs> men let's let's talk you know let's have these conversations let's open up let's let's see how we can be part of the solution I know no one likes to be called a problem um I know that from from a psychologist's point of view as well um problem kids don't like to be called problem kids that only leads them to be more of a problem and so let's start moving from that um that's that side that men are seen as problems because our society today that's what that's how we're looking at men that men are the problem men are the leading perpetra- perpetrators of gbv how can we shift to this is men men are part of the solution and i say we men because in in our podcast i am a man by association uh and I I I'm putting myself in men's shoes every day when I'm speaking here so I I think I've earned the title of saying we yes, you <laughs> we have, men yes, you have. So yeah let's let's talk let's have more of these conversations let's listen more to this podcast because it is life changing for all of us um and yeah let's let's be better uh, we have the potential to do more to be more we have the potential to be a solution rather than a problem so let's go out and do it let's prove the world wrong because the world believes men are dinosaurs and they're unable to change but that's that's a lie we survived till today so let's talk 
So yeah, come on, Mesquiliza podcast HLO. This is this is what we are talking about. This is what men 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 the podcast is all about. Tuna tunajaribu ku unpack na ku na kuweka maongezi kama ya mbele zaidi kwa sababu or in public zaidi watu wasikie na watu elewe zaidi kwa sababu these are the things ambavyo vinatoa affect all men especially in especially Tanzanian men. These things vinatoa affect sana and that's why we say kila siku kwamba we are trying to unlearn and unpack because we've been raised to believe kwamba this is how men should be but then some of the things have we have we relate na na uhalisia about tupo nao so yeah so if you're listening or if you've listened to this ep- uh, to this episode first of all send us a, uh, your comment on @men the podcast on twitter and on, on instagram but really you it could start with you you know in as kanza kwako take the initiative try to find a way yakweza ku address try to find a way yakweza have conversation around this thing try to find a way yakweza how to make you a better person so yeah till next time mimi naitwa michael baruti nadia was here as always it has been great till next time we're out men 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 the podcast